everyone. Welcome to Curiosity Killed the Cat. We're three curious friends. That's, That's us. us. I'm Christy. I'm Nash. I'm Yvette. We'll be talking about all things paranormal, supernatural, creepy, spooky, and anything that makes you say, what the f***? Hello, kitty cats. How are you guys? Wow. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Cat podcast. Woo. Yay. Welcome.
He's over there on the island. But you said back to your friend that you just made. Yeah. Our new friend. Our new friend. She, Our was, new friend. she was lovely. You said she, she wants us to go to her house. She wants us to go to her house in Riverside. Because she says it's haunted. But I'm like, girl, I don't clean houses. Like, yo no tengo la limpia. Uh-huh. I'm like, but I'm into that stuff. And, I, and and well, Vivian was like, she has a podcast. You guys should interview her. I'm like, girl. And the girl, when I'm like, I would love to interview you. She's like, yeah. Like, she was excited. <laughs> like, she. When is she free? We hit it off. We hit it off. When is she free? I'm well, so Well, I'm like, uh, so when are we going to have dinner again? Like, <laughs> I am totally. And okay. she lives close. Yeah, I'm excited. She was really cool. She was really cool, and oh, like yeah. just her stories. She was just super. And she's a believer. To... There's might be oh, people that work yeah. there that ah, there's nothing wrong. You know? No, she she's definitely. A believer. Really. She had great stories. I'm she's sure. seen all kinds of things. Yeah, she oh. sees all kinds of craziness. <gasps> really crazy things. Yes. Really? Let's. We need to talk to her. We're gonna try yeah. to have. I need her some bomb quesadillas. Yeah. Tell her to come over. Here. Okay. We could talk about it. Oh, that's all right. Con su naranjita aquí. Yes. <laughs> Su botanita, her I'm little make some drinks and yeah. Christine, mm-hmm. oh. did you take an edible before you came on? No, I've just been drinking. Like, I've been, I'm not going to lie, guys. I've been drinking. Did you call me your baby you? Oh, so I... Dude, okay. I'm only asking because Christine, her eyes are like... <laughs> are you? I, yes, girl. Your eyes are half shut. And then you're like, ah. I'm going to tell you She guys, looks okay. like she's on an edible. I'm going to tell you guys the truth, Okay. Christy, tell us. I've been on edibles all week. Nah, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I wanted to take this this time to really give a huge, huge shout out to the, the MVPs of this podcast or this episode, which Ooh. is our our husbands, yes. Anthony, Leo, and JD. And I'm gonna tell you guys why. Okay, they uh, Leo sponsored our audio. Ooh. Our husbands have been seeing how how much we've been enjoying it. And we had a struggle with our audio. It Mm -hmm. was hit or miss several times. And then we just stopped recording altogether because we just couldn't get it together. So my fiance or my husband said, you know what? I'm going to sponsor you guys with the audio interface that you guys need. Then Naya said, you know what? Anthony's going to sponsor us with the mics. And then JD's been sponsoring us with the alcohol. So. <laughs> Inspiration. Yeah, so <laughs> clink, clink to our husbands, dude. They're awesome. Yay, thanks, guys. Also, it does take a village. Also, I wanted to thank our really loyal listeners that have been super supportive sharing us. We shout out to Frank, to Connie, to Miriam, Lily. Connie dropped us off a bottle of tequila. Thank you so much, Thank Connie. We love you. Thank you so much. And to our all of our new listeners that we keep getting, we have listeners from all over the world, which is super, super amazing. And I just wanted to give everybody a huge shout out. Thank you so much for supporting us. And you're the only reason we're back for season two. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It keeps us going. It really does mean a lot. And when we get new listeners, that's even more exciting. I feel like there are people that are busy in life and they don't. Oh, you know, we love you guys, but I haven't listened to an episode, you know? But once they do and they give us a good feedback, it's really, it's nice that you yeah. gave us a chance or you shared it with a family member, a neighbor, your best friend. Yeah. Please continue to do that. It means a lot. And it'll help you guys get better audio for La Doña Podcast that is really good. If you guys haven't heard the new podcast from Christy and Yvette, it's the Doña Life Podcast. Really good episode. Thanks, Naya. Thank yes, you. Christy and I have a lifestyle podcast called the Doña Life Podcast. Please check us out. Continue to support both of 
both of our little babies. We really appreciate it. Thank All right, you. ladies, let's get into the good stuff, okay? Okay. So we've been talking about a lot of paranormal and true crime stories Mm -hmm. because of all the paranormal shit that happened and last season we kind of stopped so we've been focusing on true crime but i wanted to give our listeners or other people like myself something else because i like conspiracy theories and alien abductions ufo sightings and all of that so that's what i'm gonna give you guys today yes i love a good conspiracy theory What's a alien? <laughs> it's a close encounter story. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you do that story. <laughs> oh yeah, there's tons. I know, but I feel like they're so repetitive. But if you guys want us to tell, my okay, girl, so you give it your own spin. My son really wants me to do that hiker one. The hikers when they in 1953, I think it was that they hiked. Um, that they disappeared. Get, they didn't disappear. They, they, they found old dad. Yeah, in different various. Yes. That's a and good I'm like, one. I want to do it, but it's just done so many times. Yeah, like a lot of the findings were like not of this world yeah, type of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. You should totally do that one. Mm-hmm. All right. So my stories. I'm gonna tell you guys four different stories, mm-hmm. and it's four close encounter stories. I don't know if you guys heard, there's different levels of close encounters that you can experience oh, with your seeing like aliens and stuff. So I'm going to break those down to you guys. And originally when the UFO community first began, there was only about, there was only three and then they started adding, they added four more. So I'm going to break them down to you guys. So you guys know and are aware. So when people say, oh, it's a close encounter of the first kind, second kind, third oh, kind, fourth ooh. kind, you guys know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's seven uh, types of close encounters. The first one is uh, visual sightings of unidentified flying objects. That's just, you know, you see something that's not of this world. Mm-hmm. It's not an airplane. It's just unidentified. You don't know what it is. The second close encounter is a UFO event. It has a physical effect, allegedly. This can be interference in the functioning of your vehicle, electronic devices, animals reacting, psychological mm-hmm. effects, paralysis, paralysis, and there's like small impressions on the ground, like some type of like, like UF, like crop circles and okay, stuff like that. A little that. bit of evidence. A little bit of evidence. Third encounter is uh, where you actually see an entity. Ooh. It's actual present. So yeah, a close Stay encounter. Don't give me that one. So it's a close me. encounter of the third kind. I don't want to either. <laughs> I know. That's the imagine. Paralyzed? No. I would freak out. I so a close encounter of the fourth kind, which there's a movie about it. Oh, yeah. Which it's it. scary. Oh, yeah. It's close encounter of a UFO event, which a human is abducted. Mm-hmm. Or it's occupants in the vehicle or whatever. They're abducted and taken up the mothership or whatever yeah a close encounter of the fifth kind is a ufo event that involves direct communication between an alien and a human so it's it's an it's i don't think necessarily an abduction but they communicate you with you mm-hmm. there's like a message being delivered a close encounter of the sixth kind is the death of a human and animal associated with this ufo sighting this could be considered more like of a severe example of like the second kind. Chupacabra. Yeah, kind of like that. Or you're channeling an alien entity or 
there's like an intrusion or a parasitic attachment by the extraterrestrial to the human being. And then the four, the seventh kind is the creation of a human alien hybrid through sexual reproduction or <gasps> artificial scientific method. Shut up. That happens from reals for reals? Well, that's what they said. That's what they added. The last one is the like seventh. Elon Musk. Don't people think he's an alien? I don't know. Really? Do they? Is that yeah. a conspiracy? Yeah. Okay, you need to tell us in the oh, next shit. episode. Yeah, people, <laughs> think about, um, people, people think he's about... not a human. Like, I'm not saying why because he's so smart or what yeah he's out of this world i've only heard of ghosts and sex i don't people know that, well people that you yeah. know how you said sexual encounters i've only uh-huh. heard about people like having sexual encounters with ghosts but well really with aliens i've heard stories of people like there was a man who said he got abducted not it's not here yeah. but that he would just get abducted so this alien would have sex with him and she told him that she had her babies up in outer space. It was weird. It was weird. Anyways. Oh, uh, so she came down and raped them? She they would take him up to the spaceship and she he he would have sex with Yeah. Oh my god. It must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Q in X Files theme music right here because I'm gonna get into my first first mm-hmm. story. It's uh, a really famous alien abduction and it's with Barney and Betty Hill. They were an American couple that were abducted by aliens in a rural part of New Hampshire in on September 19, 1961. It was first. It was the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the United States. Um, the Hills lived in, uh, they lived in Portmouth, New Hampshire, and they weren't an inter- interracial couple. Not that this matters. It's not part of the story, but just so when you see pictures, you're not like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. They're an interracial couple and Barney was black and Betty was white. Um, yeah, like I said, so you're, when you Google, you're not like, oh, it's, it just wasn't common back in that time mm-hmm. in the 60s to have an interracial couple. And oh, on yeah. top of it, they're abducted by aliens, you know? It was illegal. It was illegal to... So Barney was employed by the United States... <laughs> Chris is a little buzzed, you yes. guys. No, but I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, you keep, oh, okay, you keep Googling I your mic, girl. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving you guys those. <laughs> So Barney was employed by the United the USPS United States Postal Service. While Betty was a social worker, they were both very active in their communities. They were members of the NAACP, and Barney sat on the local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. So they were very active in their local community. Nice. And I I would assume trustworthy, right? right, right. So the Hills state that the UFO sighting happened on September 19, 1961. The Hills were driving back to Portmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal. Just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved below the moon and the planet Jupiter, upwards of west of the moon. So she thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. While Barney drove on route th- on U.S. Route, route 3, or route, or route. It, it's, they're both correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. U.S. Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was observing a falling star, only it moved upwards. Since it moved erratically and was growing bigger and brighter and flying upwards, Betty urged Barney to stop the car so they can have a closer look, as well as to walk their dog so he can go pee because they were on the road, on this long road trip. 
Barney stopped the car on a scenic area on the highway, on the route, and it was just south of Twin Mountain. So now when you go, um, when you go now to Route 3 where this incident happened, they have a placard up and they say Barney and Betty Hill sighting. Like they have Shut it up. up. <gasps> so if you go on Route 3 and on going towards Portmouth, New Hampshire, you'll see that sign. Oh, I'm going. That's how popular and well documented this incident was. So just for you guys. If you ever visit the East Coast. Oh, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool, right? Pretty nice. So Betty, looking through her binoculars, this bitch is like, let me get my binoculars, you know? So she pulls them out, and she observed an odd shape. And the craft was flashing multicolored lights. Barney took the binoculars, like, bitch, give me the <laughs> from Betty. And he saw that what reason he thought this is a commercial airliner what do you the f are you talking about a shooting star like or a dying star Same, I think I would, yeah airplane. yeah so he's like it's just a fly, uh, commercial air, airliner flying from vermont to montreal like it's not a big deal however yeah. he soon changed his mind because without looking the commercial airliner that he thought just turned all of a sudden the craft rapidly descended in his direction <gasps> this observation caused barney to realize this object was not a plane. It's not a plane. They quickly returned to their car and drove towards a narrow, mountainous stretch of road. Did so, they get their dog? I'm sure they got all, I'm sure they got the dog. I know. The hills claimed that they continued driving on the isolated road and moved very slowly in order to observe the object as it was coming closer. Betty testified that it was 40 feet long and that it seemed to be rotating. The couple watched as the silent, illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth in the night sky. I can't even imagine that. I would speed up. I don't think I would be like slow down. Well, going. you're like, what is it? I would be really curious. Ballsy. I would be curious. We're runners. Yeah. But some people. Like, I would probably be like, what is that? And then get up. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're driving, you would slow down? Maybe? I would probably slow down. Yeah. Because I thought I saw an alien in TJ with my dad. And I was like, oh, my God, Dad, stop the car. And it was just like a hot air balloon. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would stop. Were, okay, <laughs> I would stop. They say that the object rapidly descended towards the vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The huge silent craft hovered approximately 80 to 100 feet above the hills, 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, and it filled the entire view of the windshield. No, girl. Yes, girl. <laughs> Hell no. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake, he says. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen about 8 to 10 humanoid figures that were peering out of the craft's window. No, girl. Yes, girl. <laughs> girl. In unison, all but one of the figures moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear of the rear of the, um, of the UFO of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. But he didn't communicate verbally. It was telepathically. Wow. Mm -hmm. Barney had a recollection of observing the human forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights and bat wing fins began to come out of the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the UFO. Oh 
The silent craft was now hovering 50 to 80 feet, so it dropped down a couple hundred, a couple feet above the hills, above the hills vehicle, yeah. and it was about about 350 feet away. So it was far, but it it was 300 feet away, but it was 100 feet above, and then it dropped to 50 to 80 feet. I'm That's scared. what they said. I'm scared. Oh. You ain't heard nothing yet, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> Barney pulled out the binoculars, pulled the binoculars away from his eyes, and ran back to his car. In near hysterical state, he told Betty, "They're going to capture us! They're going to capture us! Run!" Mm-hmm. He saw the object again shift its location directly above the vehicle. Oh, he drove away at a high speed, telling Betty to look for the object while they were yeah. driving away from the vehicle. She rolled down the window and stuck her head out and looked up. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of the vehicle. The car vibrated and a tingly sensation passed through the hills' bodies. The hills said then that they experienced an onset of an altered state of consciousness and they left their mind, it left their minds like dull, like blank. A second series of beeping or buzzing sounds return to the couple to full consciousness. So they hear, first they hear the rhythmic beeping and buzzingness, and then they feel the tingling and their minds go blank. They wake up to beeping and buzzing sounds again, and they return to full consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south, but only had a vague spotty memory of this section of the road. They don't know how they got 35 miles down the road because they lost consciousness like a blank yes they recalled making a sudden and sharp unplanned turn encountering a roadblock and observed a fiery orb in the road arriving home about dawn the hills assert that they had some sensation and impulses that they couldn't really explain betty insisted that her luggage be kept at the back door rather than in the main part of the house their watches stopped working, and they were never functional ever again. Mm. Barney said that the leather strap of the binoculars was torn, though could, could, he couldn't recall how it tore, but mm. it was ripped. The, sh- the toes of his vestress shoes that he was wearing were scraped, and Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, <gasps> though he found nothing unusual. But he just felt the impulse to check. Like, he needed to... Right. Something some. felt off, maybe. Yes. They yes. were acting odd. They just didn't know why. They took long showers to remove possible contamination. And they each drew a picture to one another of what they had observed and experienced. Their drawings were very similar to each other's. Oh, Perplexed, the Hills tried to recount chronologically the events of that night. But immediately after... They heard the buzzing sounds. They both agreed that their memories became incomplete and blank and fragmented. They fra- fragmented. They don't remember what happened. Although the Hills noted that they arrived home later than anticipated, the drive should have only taken about four hours, which is equivalent to 178 miles. They claim to not have realized that they arrived home seven hours after their departure from Niagara Falls. So almost twice as long. Yeah, twice as long. The Hills claim to recall almost nothing of the 35 mil- miles down U.S. Route 3 where they saw the UFO. They both claim to recall an image of a fiery orb sitting on the ground. So they were suggested to try hypnosis in order to 
retrieve these memories, memories. that they Whoa. have, which That's is great. really trippy. Okay. Barney was apprehensive, but thought it might help Betty put to rest what Barney described as the nonsense about her dreams. Because she was having really bad night terrors, and she just didn't know what they were of. But she would wake up in a cold sweat, crying, just upset and distraught. On December 14, 1963, the Hills met Benjamin Simon. Simon began hypnotizing the Hills on January 4, 1964. He hypnotized Betty and Barney several times each, and the sessions lasted until June 6, 1964. So it lasted about six months. Mm -hmm. Simon conducted the sessions on Barney and Betty separately so they couldn't hear each other and kind of overhear one another's like recollections of the memories. At the end of each session, he reinstated back like them to present time or amnesia to their conscious, yeah. to their current consciousness. So Barney's sessions, Simon hypnotized him first and he recalls witnessing, Barney recalls witnessing non-human figures. Well, just to clarify, Simon would start each session. He would record all of their sessions. You can Google and and I have a clip that I'm going to show you guys that I want you guys to hear of their, their session. Their recollection. Exactly. So Barney went first and he recalls witnessing non-human figures and he became very emotional and he was very fearful and he had really huge emotional outbursts during his session. Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and the physical examination by these non-human figures. Based on these early responses, Simon told Barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain that he could remember them without being further traumatized. So Simon would hypnotize them, have them remember, and then erase the memory because he didn't want to leave them with those memories because they were still so fearful of what had happened. They weren't ready. True, because I've heard if you try to get hypnotized to remember your memories, like lost memories, mm-hmm. that you go through all of that. You don't just get placed there like you're looking from afar. You get placed there, you live the emotions, mm-hmm. you live what happened, everything. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I know they can do that. Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay, before you go back, let me erase this again. Yeah. That's, That's why he would record them so he could play back to them what they were saying. So under hypnosis, as was consistent with his conscious recall, Barney reported that the binocular strap broke when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in front of him on the dirt road. The car stalled and the three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear them. He was still anxious, however, and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. While hypnotized, Barney said, I felt like his eyes pushed into my eyes. Barney related that he and Betty were taken into this disc-shaped craft and that they were both separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular metal table. Unlike Betty, Barney's narrative of the exam was less detailed because he closed his eyes and didn't really see a lot what was going on because he was really afraid. Mm -hmm. 
A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. He did not experience an orgasm, though Barney thought that there was a sperm sample that was taken from him. The men scraped his skin, peered into his eyes and his mouth, and a thin tube or a cylinder was inserted into his butt and quickly removed. They took a sample of whatever was, like maybe bacteria or whatever was inside his ass. Yes. Isn't that traumatizing? Yes. Oh my gosh. Someone felt his spine. Clearly this is why his memory. Yeah, he blocked it out. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. Someone felt his spine. They were tapping on his, counting his vertebrae. And they were like tapping his spine. Kind of like to see like check mobility and stuff. Betty reported a conversation with the leader that she understood in English. Barney said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language that he didn't understand, yet he also understood them in English. Like he knew they were speaking a foreign language, but in his mind, it translated to English. Oh, what? Yeah. Betty also mentioned in detail. Oh, sorry. Betty also mentioned in detail that the few times they communicated with both of them, it seemed that it was a thought tra- thought transference, like telepath. Uh, it was telepathy. Like, no they, nev- they never used any words. It was just all mental. Like, one, one consciousness to another. So, both Betty and Barney, they didn't observe the beings move their mouths. But they communicated with them in English, men- like, telepathically. It was just odd. Like, they, could, he can't, he, they couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. So, he... Go ahead. Did, did you... Did they have mouths? Yeah, but they their mouths just, never moved. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He recalled being escort, escorted from the ship and taken back to his car in a daze, and he just watched the ship leave. That was Barney's recollection, okay? Betty's uh, was a little more detailed because she saw the whole thing, and she was the one experiencing the night terrors. So after... I, well, I'm going to tell you guys this and play, then play you guys a clip, okay, of her Ooh. session. Under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to her dreams that she was having of the UFO abduction with some notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and her release. Also, the technology on the craft was different. The short men differed significantly in appearance and the sequential order or the order of the way the abduction happened was different to um, some details were different than Barney's a little bit. Barney and Betty's memories in the hypnotic regression were, however, mostly consistent with one another, except for slight details that Barney couldn't remember because he kept his eyes closed, but Betty did. Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress when telling her story and when she was remembering the exam. Simon ended one of the sessions early because tears began flowing down her cheeks. Okay, ladies, so I'm going to pause right here, and I want you guys to hear a clip of Betty's hypnosis session. What did you guys think? I think it, it makes sense as, <laughs> I guess, thinking as an alien. I want to know what if what happens if I poke you here. You have a hole there. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what 
you know, I'm studying you. Mm -hmm. So I want to see what that does to you or what it works for. So it makes sense that they would have poked them all over the place. And just thinking like, what is this for? Or taking samples. It's like when we go to explore a new area, we take samples of the dirt, the water, the animals. And to be completely honest, if we do have aliens or had aliens, I'm pretty sure we did the same thing to them. Yeah, we would do the exact same thing to them. Mm-hmm. Skin grafts, poking, right. looking in their eyeballs. I'm and sure then... we have. I'm sure that's the rumor, right? That mm-hmm. we have done stuff like that. We'll yeah. But her hypnosis sessions sound so scary. I feel so bad for her. Yeah, when she's saying like, oh, they put it, they put something in my navel, in her belly button. She's yelling, take it out, take it out. She just sounds so helpless and just... Like oh, such a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Simon, Simon, the hypnotherapist, gave Betty a post-hypnotic suggestion that she should sketch out, sketch out what she was seeing. Because also Betty was saying that she was seeing a star map that the aliens had shared with her. Um, she said that it was like a three-dimensional projection, like a hologram, that they showed her. So he said, you should sketch that out so, oh. so you can put it out on paper. When she drew the map, she had many stars. She drew only the ones that stood out in her memory, but there was a lot, like a constellation. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed like a, distinct, a distinctive triangle. She said that she was told that the stars were connected by solid lines or like trade routes that the aliens used. Whereas like the dash lines were less traveled routes. So the stars were like a like a route, like a map. Where we've gone. Where they've like how they travel or constellations mm-hmm. they travel. Um, after the sessions, uh, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was pob- possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Simon thought that it, the most... That would be the most reasonable explanation. That it's just he he was believing Betty's dreams so much that he made them a part of his, his own memory. Oh, I don't think so. Not, not from hearing that video. No, I don't believe it. There's so much emotion. Yeah, Barney completely rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there was no portions of both their narrative that were unique to each. Barney was now ready to accept that he had been abducted by aliens and he was inside their UFO or the UFO, mm-hmm. though he never really he acknowledged it. But Betty embraced it more than he did, I think, because she saw more and she has more details. Obviously, he, like we said, he kept his eyes closed, though the Hills and Simon disagreed about the cause of the distress or their nightmares, they all concluded that the hypnosis sessions were effective because the hills were no longer tormented by the anxiety of the abduction that they had experienced. When the series of the hypnosis sessions were complete, Simon wrote an article about the hills for the Psychiatric Opinion Journal explaining his conclusion of the case. In 1966, John G. Fuller secured uh, rights to the Hills story and he wrote a book called The Interrupted Journey and in there he describes details about the case 
the book included a copy of Betty's like interstellar star map and a teacher Marjorie Fish uh, she's no longer alive she died in 2013 she was an amateur astrologer so she took the map and she tried to compare the map to nearby star constellations to see if they matched mm -hmm. eventually she almost she found an almost perfect match Ooh. it seemed the map that Betty Hill drew was accurately dis depicting a star constellation in our solar system. All the stars lay roughly on the same plane, and the aliens apparently came from the Zeta Reticulum Reticulum system. I don't. I tried googling it, but it's like you just Google Zeta Reticuli system and it's an actual star system and Betty had no knowledge prior knowledge of astrology star constellations and she accurately accurately sketched this out come on you can't freaking make that shit up yeah I I believe them but the hills went back to their regular lives they were willing to discuss the alleged UFO abductions with friends family and occasional UFO researchers but the Hills apparently made no effort to seek publicity over this. They weren't pub like publicity seekers or try to make money off of it. Later in life, Betty claimed to have seen more UFOs several times after the initial abduction. She wasn't abducted. She would just see them. And she became a celebrity in the UFO community because this was one of the first publicized reports. Um, later... Barney died of a cerebral hemorrhage, hemorrhage in 1969. He was only 46. Mm -hmm. And Betty Hill died of cancer in 2004 at age 45. And she never remarried. Story number two, which is also a very popular one. And there's actually a movie about this story. And it was directed by, uh, by Steven Spielberg. So it's... I saw it when I was little. I was probably like 10 years old and it traumatized, traumatized the shit out of me. Fire in the sky. Oh my gosh. Okay. You guys should. It's one of the first alien movies I ever saw in the way that it's directed. It's well, Steven Spielberg. Come on. It's amazing, but super scary. I was like, oh, I just closed my eyes and I ran out of the room. That's how scary it was for, for me, for me, like 10 yeah when i first saw it so travis walton's abduction takes place on november 5th 1975 travis walton was a 22 year old strapping healthy young man working with the timber crew in the national forest near snowflake arizona which i didn't even know there was a national forest in arizona i thought it's just, I just oh fucking desert <laughs> so it's like oh uh, okay i even googled it and everything it's so, really green yeah there's trees and everything i didn't okay, yeah i didn't even know i was like what the hell i thought it was just red rocks but there's a forest so after a long day at work travis and his five crew members jumped in their pickup jumped in their pickup truck and began to drive off the work site because they had been there all freaking day while sitting in the truck he notices up ahead a glowing light coming through the trees at first he thought the glow might be hunters because it was deer hunting season and he thought, oh, they're getting settled in. They're starting their fire, you know. It's nothing to worry about. One by one, he notices that the rest of his co-workers start noticing the same glow that he was seeing. Mm -hmm. Once they approach the clearing after they pass the trees, 
where the glow of light was coming from, they all gasped and saw a glowing disc-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 100 feet. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And it was making a really high-pitched buzzing sound. He states that the craft was projecting a strange glow that made everything look really eerie and scary. I bet. Imagine? Oh, no. Travis claims that the truck came to a stop and he immediately jumped out for cover. He thought he saw a tree log, so he thought, I'm going to hide behind there. He quickly realized, oh, shit, this was a mistake. And he tried to run back to the truck. And that's when a blast of energy projected from the craft and hit him. It sent a numbing shock, just like Barney and Betty Hill. They felt like a numbing, tingling sensation. He also felt a numbing shock go through his body. The crew that was witnessing this entire thing going on said that the blast of energy threw Travis up 10 or 20 feet in the air. And that the way that he landed on the ground, they knew it was certain that it had killed him. So they left his ass behind and took off. Bye. Bye, bitch. Oh yeah. They oh, left him shit. behind. Isn't that sad? Like, bye, sucker. <laughs> yeah, because... It's true. If you're going to fall 20 feet, that, that's pretty high. Yeah, and the way that they, he landed, they that his crew member said, dude, there's no way you'd be alive. I don't know if his neck was bent a certain way or whatever. After being blasted with this beam of light, Walton claims that he awoke in a dim hospital-like room laying on top of a raised metal table. There was a light above that was radiating like a soft glow. He also saw he was being observed by three short, hairless, bald creatures. Your typical gray aliens, he says, which now we know are like gray aliens, you know? Mm-hmm. When he awoke, he was in excruciating pain and he said he felt like he was dying. He claims to have become instantly combative with the three aliens that were there. Because of the amount of pain he was in, he thought they're hurting me, so I'm going to defend myself. He said that he hit one of them with his arm and that the alien fell easily. So he thought like they really had no like like weight to them yeah strength or weight to them because he knocked them over super easy so he's like i got this i can take yeah so he rolled off the table and he noticed that they all got up and came towards him he stood up and he reached behind him and he grabbed an object he didn't know what it was he grabbed it and he started swinging at them like crazy like for them to like stop Mm -hmm. they stopped approaching him he said that he uh, stood there and that a human-like entity wearing a helmet came in and he led Walton out and into another room where as he walked into the other room, he instantly blacked out and he woke up and again on the table and the three aliens were hovering over him and they put this clear plastic mask over his face. Wait, wait, almost like they knocked them out again? Yeah, like they knocked, the that human-like entity came in, took him out, and it, like, walked him out again, and he blacked out again. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, with their mental powers or whatever, but he was out again. Oh, shit. Yeah, so, Walton is being, he's placed on the table when he wakes up again. The three aliens are hovering over him, and there's a clear plastic, like, mask over his face. Walton claims that he remembers nothing after that 
and that he woke up and he found himself walking along a highway five days later after they had seen the flying saucer five days five days and he was just in a, when they found him he was like in this catatonic state like oh, zombie like God. out of his mind walton was declared missing his crew members went and they told him like hey he's missing when what to look for his body yeah so they fucking <laughs> left them there behind so walton was declared missing for those five days during which time his logger buddies fell under investigation by authorities because law enforcement fart law fart <laughs> law enforcement thought his co-workers had murdered him and left him out in the forest like the last person that you're yeah alive yeah yeah when walton finally turned up again not knowing how long he'd been gone there was an intense investigation already underway and there was multiple polygraph tests and physical and psychological tests and he passed the polygraph test he passed everything but they're saying that polygraph tests are not that accurate like mm -hmm. so anyways in the aftermath researchers have gone to that location where he saw the ufo And they have found that the forest in that area where his crew members allegedly saw the craft, it has shown unusual growth in the trees that were in the immediate vicinity of the UFO. Like radioactive? Or no, the trees have grown at an alarming rate. Oh. Yeah, compared to the other trees around them. They have taken samples of the core and it's revealed that the core of these trees has thickened also and there was also like it's just growing in a completely different way than the other trees are mm -hmm. all further away from the area yeah so walton addresses the stigma that so many people have he claims that he at first he didn't want to tell his story because they're everyone that has an alien story is generally considered like an unreliable wacko yeah but he sure. says that there's scientific evidence of the likelihood that there is intelligent life out there and it's just become overwhelming now and we're not those kooky people you know mm -hmm. so like i said the case was received mainstream publicity and he wrote a book it's called the walton experience he published it in 1978 And the movie was adapted in 1993, and it's called Fire in the Sky, and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. He was also on the Joe Rogan Experience, and he tell, Joe Rogan ex interviews him, and he goes into further detail on his experience, what he saw, and if, what he thinks they you were just, doing. I didn't listen to... I, listen, I watched the clips on YouTube, and he just thinks that some people are truly abducted and he thinks that some people aren't and they just they can't tell the difference between reality and made up but i people can say the same thing about him you know what i mean mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. so yeah his differentiate yeah them. joe rogan you obviously you know he loves talking about aliens it was super interesting mm -hmm. to listen his take but i didn't go in and listen to his two uh, two three hour interview so i have a question mm -hmm. when they found them he fell 20 feet 15 20 feet mm -hmm. he wasn't like broken no he was totally fine he was walking on the this road the maybe they fixed them they said in like a catatonic this state thing. maybe how do you fix they have oh. better technology yeah the, the trees 
are growing faster. I mean, you don't know what kind of... Maybe the healing rate was... Right. And he was gone for five days. So maybe his neck and shit was broken. Five years. Five days, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's short. To fall 15 to 20 feet and then you're able to walk. Yeah, you know, maybe they bend time. For them, five years was a long time. That's true. Or five days might not be there. Look at dog years. Yeah. yeah that's different <laughs> what if they did have him for a really long time you know yeah. to heal him make sure he was able to oh shit there was a story about my mom told me it's so short they told me that in Oaxaca where we're from there was a guy that went into a hollow tree and mm-hmm. he thought he went in there to look around but when he came out years had passed what? yeah I've heard of that actually, um, not in Oaxaca, but when we went to Guadalajara, we were little, um, we went on a hike with one of our uncles, and there was like this little cave, and he had said, it's known that if you walk into this cave, (laughs) they said that it's known that if you walk into this little cave or whatever, it was kind of like underground almost, Uh that people go in and you look around and you see things and they're like, people come out and you think like, oh, I was in there for 10, 15 minutes. And he's like, it's rumored that you're gone for years. Shut up. Really? Yeah. And he took us to it. Of course, none of us went in it. There's no fucking way. Like, I wouldn't want to miss all those years if that's the, the first Oh, one I would go in. Shut up. Yeah, I'm sure it's not true, though. Okay, what about if it was? No. Okay, what if it you is? Come and back, you come back the kids in, are like 25. Oh, good. Then I don't have to take oh, care of Oh, good. Shut <laughs> up. You're going to come back. I just like moved out of the house. They think I'm all dead. And Max stuff. is like, Leo remarried. You'll kill him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I right, swear right, right, right. Her right, face right. is like, um, that kill that motherfucker. <laughs> no, he cannot remarry Christine, okay? You need a sabotage, sabotage, sabotage. <laughs> no, but imagine your kids, like, no matches, no. Yeah. Oh, that be, what is this cave called? We need to find out. I can ask it's my in Guadalajara. Mom. I wonder if he was pulling our legs. We were little. We were kids. Oh, maybe he was. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Okay. Yeah, you need to find out. Okay. All right, guys. I have two more stories for you guys, but they're going to have to wait till next week. Please stay tuned, kitty cats. Please rate, review, subscribe. Please share with all your friends, your family, and anybody else interested in alien encounters, alien abductions. We'll see you guys next week. guys just wanted to update you that we have our email and ig up and running please send your comments and suggestions to the curious cat pod at gmail.com and follow us on instagram at curious cat podcast please rate review subscribe and tell a friend stay curious and remember curiosity killed the cat wow